This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, hopefully, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton, and I am joined again by the wonderful Jackie Vores. Sorry, I said again there, like it was kind of like, oh gosh. But no, it's always a pleasure, Jackie, to uh, to be recording the podcast with you. How are you this fine Friday afternoon? I'm great. Yeah, yeah. really good. Bit tired. Been a very very long week, but uh, all good. You know, really positive week. Lots of things going on, which I know we're going to talk about in this podcast. We most certainly are going to talk about everything that's been going on this week for myself. Sure, you know, I'm going to put that forward, but also more notably about what's been going on with you Jackie and the rest of the I think, you're, team I think you're a bit missed large. that you missed out on some of these events and I didn't realize otherwise we would have made <laughs> there, but I thought you were busier doing actory things we're gonna get on to this I mean ultimately yes I have been it's been quite a busy week doing other things as well as sort of obviously podcasty things and and demosoy things but but yeah I mean we're gonna get on to this because it you know what we're gonna discuss and we're being very cryptic was basically around the corner from me um but hey that is where it is I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I mean, insofar as I live within like what ten miles, I live in London, and what's been going on this week was indeed in London. But as we sit here, listeners, recording the latest episode of the podcast, we spoke to the wonderful Kelly last week, and we also had a two-episode week last week because we also had our revised chat about Harry, uh, Prince mm-hmm. Harry, and his book and, and his interviews. But listeners, I believe, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, as this episode goes out, wherever you're listening to it on major streaming platforms, or if you're watching us on YouTube, the rest is PR will, by the time you listen to this podcast, have had over a thousand streams on various oh my god what a day listening to us lyle (laughs) people are listening to us all over the world we could not be more grateful thank you so so much from jackie and myself that's really incredible we've only been going for well we've been going for just under five months and so to have had a thousand streams given that we've started this from scratch and this is where it gets real now. We've got a rep. We've got a we've label. Got be, we've got to be professional now. We've got Sadly. To I don't know how we go about doing that. I mean, I might need to read some <laughs> books on going about being professional. Um, but uh, in, in life generally, not just in podcasting. But thank you so much, listeners. Honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, it really yeah, is a great deal. fabulous. I hope gonna... some of it's been useful or interesting I've... or both. I, th- I like to think it has been. I like to think the listeners have found this useful, but get in touch if it hasn't been. We're keen to hear yeah, your opinion. Yeah, we'd love to tell us, get in touch. But this week, listeners, as we embark upon our latest episode of this post a thousand streams podcast, this week we are talking <laughs> about, I'm just going to keep dropping that in. That's going to be my new quantum. <laughs> but we are talking this week about PR at events. And I feel like yeah. we kind of alluded to this before in the podcast series so far when we spoke about networking and PR which is kind of a similar topic but the specific nature of events PR at events bringing clients to events speaking opportunities appearances forums etc etc and the reason we're talking about PR events this week is because Jackie you've been at a fairly significant event that involves some PR well it involves lots of PR in fact this week in London can you tell us a little bit about where you've been this week and what it was? Well, it was an event called Pocket Gamer Connects. And it is the best, probably the biggest, uh, I think it is the biggest event for mobile video games, the mobile video games industry, um, hence the name Pocket Gamer. But it does sort of have kind of break off tracks like 
PC gamer and blockchain gamer, and it examined many different topics like the metaverse and AI and cryptocurrency. And yeah, it's just a ma- it's a massive show in London. And luckily, Demoso is there in force, not only representing clients, not only taking part in the actual show itself, but also representing the show's organisers, Steel Media. So it was a very, very busy couple of days for us. Brilliant. And there you go, listeners, straight from the source itself. This year's Pocket Gamer was in London, literally on my doorstep. And here I was. Okay, okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) You know, it's a thousand pounds a ticket to get into this thing. It's a, it's an incredible show. It's and that's actually why I didn't go because, uh, you know, I have no doubt. Even if I hadn't footed the bill for my attendance there, I would be no, paying think, for it in other ways. The, no, I think that's the top line. I think that's the top line. And God, I'll get killed. Um, I, I, think there's a, I think the t- tickets do come in a little bit, quite a significant amount cheaper than that. Um, I think that was the VIP ticket and speakers and that kind of thing. But yeah, the ticket prices range. And I do actually very much advocate people in the games industry going to this show because it's an amazing event. It covers all sorts of parts of the B2B process of producing video games and all the major games people are there from you know the heads of all the major studios that you know about so it's every major mobile game is represented at this show so it's a really big it's a big event it's the biggest event of the year in in the uk actually in the video games industry exactly right it's a really joking aside it is a really really big deal and actually when i was doing some research on it earlier this week knowing that this is what we're going to be doing a podcast on. It's been going, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that this event has been, in its current guise, been occurring every year since 2014. That's right. Maybe give or take the the pandemic year, which obviously I imagine it took place they did digitally. It virtually. virtually, yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. But the, the locations that this event has been held at, you know, London obviously being the most recent one this year, but listen, Oh, it's all over the world, a series of events, yeah. so... San Francisco, Helsinki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a really, really wide ranging thing. And there's a couple of points I suppose I'd like to pick up on in terms of the PR of it, because like you rightly pointed out there, there was obviously a PR element insofar as clients were attending it with their businesses and their own ideas, kind of front and centre. You were also obviously doing some PR for the organisers themselves in the form of steel media. But there was also, to an extent, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, some kind of personal PR for yourself and a couple of other people who work for Demozo. Insofar yeah. as you weren't just kind of there attending and briefing clients, you were also there in your capacity as a host yourself for certain person. events. Yeah, how was yeah, that? I do. The guys at Steel Media like to make me work for my my uh, my tickets. So I do often MC and host the speaker tracks where you kind of come in between each of the speakers and keep the show going, keep the show on the road. But this year I was moderating a couple of panels. One was on how you attract and retain your players in games. And the other one was what the technical trends and advancements are going to be up to the year 2030, which was very, very hardcore in terms of where technology is taking us. So, you know, those those kind of things are, are brilliant for your own profile in an industry. And even though I've, I'm in PR and unashamedly have been in tech PR for most of my life, and the skills that we have are, are eminently transferable between different sectors, whether that be, you know, being a personal publicist through to being a consumer PR person, 
doing you know PR for white goods or whatever in my guise as being a, a video games industry or an entertainment industry expert then that's the sort of platform that I like to be a part of and meeting people with the same kind of interests and experience as me is fantastic so all around a great experience I love that and I think it's really really important thing that you kind of touched on there which is that I mean, we spoke to Kelly, didn't we, last week about how PRs in inverted commas go to these events. And I think Kelly said, and we well, most of the time to... we we we're actually placing our clients as speakers at events like that. There you go. This time yeah. it just pleased me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of a byproduct of doing that job for our clients. Yeah. So we had a lot of clients speaking at that event, and that's one of the areas of PR that's really quite important when you're trying to promote your clients as experts and thought leaders because if they're actually there physically speaking to people on the content platforms that you've helped them develop then you know that's just one more tactical execution of your job as a a PR person is to get those people that are your clients in front of their clients exactly right yeah and it's that kind of like sort of yeah that networking everyone being in the same room kind of ideas floating albeit in a structured way around so then there's like kind of connections there partnerships are formed I mentioned in the kind of document I sort of started putting together before this episode which I'm sure you've read um (laughs) um the four this is becoming those of you that are watching on youtube will have seen the response there to that particular <laughs> comment but uh, listeners just so you know uh there was an indication there visually that jackie has perhaps not read the document. in fairness to me because of how mad this week's been elsewhere i actually got that across this morning too jackie so she has to yeah, there it is is actually on my it's there she's she's had it ready she's got it ready so there you go talk about preparation the preparation was there we love it i mean in a kind of a layman's term, you know, for those who are set to embark on a PR career, I mean, like you said, these are important events. Like you can become a thought leader in the space like you have done, Jackie, which is fantastic. And you go to these events and you speak at events and you host forums and you host debates and chats and things like that. But from a PR perspective, how do you go about actually even approaching an event? It sounds like a very basic question, but I think there'll be a lot of people out there who are starting out who maybe feel a bit daunted by the possibility of approaching these large scale events because they think, oh, I don't have the contacts yet. I'm not a name in the industry. My client might be, but I'm not. I mean, can you sort of run us through how you might start that conversation? Now, I mentioned just a minute ago that this was one of the tactical executions of your job as a PR person. Let's wind it all the way back though. Let's look at, you know, your messaging. So when you're creating your messaging and your content after that messaging, then part of that content could be a slide deck for your client to present. Another part of that content could be your news releases. So you'll send out your press releases. Another part of that content could be your thought leadership content which could be bylined articles which could be interviews that you're placing so once you've got this messaging and the 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 channels of content that you want to create agreed one of those channels of content could well be putting your clients forward for speaking at certain events now the reason i went all the way back is because it's really important to understand what the events want in terms of speakers at their events. You've got your speaker over here, your client who knows a lot about everything in their business. 
and you've got an event over here, the first thing you have to do, and I've said this about being a journalist as well, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the event organiser. Now, that event organiser is going to be wanting to provide an event that's going to grow and be amazing. And everybody's going to go, wow, I learned so much or I saw so much or I heard so much or I met so many great people at this event. So that event organiser has to curate a content stack that is going to be really exciting to a potential visitor. And that visitor is the person that's making that event organiser's money. That visitor is paid (laughs) for a ticket and they want value. So if you're trying to get your client to speak at an event, you need to know that your speaker content is going to satisfy that event organizer's objectives. Same as when you're trying to place your client into a magazine or a website or any kind of periodical, you have to understand that website, that magazine, that editor, that writer and who who they're going to want to write about. So that's why I went, wound it all the way back to the content and the messages. So Let's say you've established that your client, let's call him Tom, from a company called Ludo that does the AI platform. Appearing soon on a podcast episode near you, listeners, as well. He will be here. I make that promise. The Pocket Gamer (laughs) is doing an AI track. (laughs) And you go, hey, Pocket Gamer, you should really have Tom as a speaker on your AI track because he does X, Y, Z. He talks exactly to the people who are going to be coming to your your show. He has a solution that's absolutely brilliant for them. But most of all, he has genuine life experiences that can help a developer work out how to use AI in their world. So you kind of matched both of those requirements. Tom would love to speak to developers and Pocket Gamer would love their developers who attend their conference to hear all about AI. Bingo. Winner. You know, there's the match. And that's that's the main thing. When you're placing speakers at events, understand the event first and foremost before you even think about slotting your clients into that event. Because at the end of the day, the two have to work in that kind of a harmony. And there are instances, I'm sure I imagine as well. I mean, first of all, I think that's absolutely spot on. And it kind of also harks back to these soft skills that we talk about when it comes to sort of working in PR, because much as that's all on paper and it's there in front of you and there's obviously a formula and it's kind of matching two things up there's no absolute in terms of like the specifications and in terms of like you know two plus two equals four here you have got to be the one to go i can see this working for my client at this event but also harking back to something we spoke about when it comes to approaching journalists and like other media on behalf of your client Clients sometimes, thankfully with Demosa, we're often aligned, but you said you've worked with clients in the past and we've spoken to other PR professionals who've also worked with clients in the past who've gone, get me in the Times, get me in the FT, get me in the Washington Post. And you as the PR professional has gone, okay, like I know people there, but they're going to laugh at me or worse, they're going to kind of, our relationship's going to get ever so slightly frayed because I'm giving them something that's not the sort of thing they tend to write about and tend to want. I imagine it's the same with events, right? You know, a client might want, might desperately want to be an event and 99 times out of hundred, I'm sure it's because they're a thought leader in the particular space that that event promotes and broadcasts. But I imagine there must've been sometimes where it's like, Oh, I'd love to be at this event. And you've gone, but if I pitch you for it, what the event is about this year in particular, maybe for future events when it's on a different theme, great. But the Mm. theme that they're running with this year is nothing to do with where you're taking your business and where you're taking your own thought leadership. I mean, have you had instances like that? I mean, without naming any names, yeah, obviously, definitely. but it's difficult, you know. 
I think it's also really important to recognize that a lot of events now are paid for mm. as well. So most of the time we will try and pitch our clients to speak for free at events because they're bringing real value to that event organizers offering. But quite a lot of the time you find that you're pitching clients in and the event organizer says, not only do you have to qualify to speak at my event in terms of being interesting and useful to my attendance but you also have to pay to be there as well so that's uh-huh. another thing and that's another big barrier and you know what if you go to some of these events you really understand why the cost of living has gone up you know the you know, staffing these things insurances on these things they're huge so there is sometimes an, a commercial element to that but let's go back to that sort of the question you were just saying then Lyle, about clients who want to speak at events and might not necessarily hit the mark but still think those events are very relevant to them there has to be some kind of a disconnect if if you have a client saying hey i'm selling lollipops and i want to go and speak at the ice cream convention yeah you know the ice cream convention are going we don't want to speak to lollipop manufacturers but he's saying hey but you know the same people that eat ice cream will eat lollipops so why can't i speak there and that's when you get down to, sorry, this is a very basic way of giving some nuances. No, I'm just, I'm amazed in a really good way and impressed that that analogy, which by the way, maps so brilliantly, has been come up with so quickly. I was actually, that was brilliant. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I thought it made, the reason it made I chose sense. something very close was because the client will have their reasons, which was the, the target audience is the same, but the convention will want to keep their content very focused and tightly focused on ice cream. So you're not going to get through by talking about that. But if you go over to the lollipop client, you say, how how are you dealing with the issue of supply chain problems now in the actual transportation of your lollipops to various different warehouses? Because the ice cream industry has been going through some really difficult problems with this. And the, the, the lollipop vendor says, I'm using this latest, greatest technology from Ukraine. Then you go to the event and you say, hey, listen, what can the ice cream industry learn from the lollipop industry about the distribution of iced goods? Do you see what I mean? So there will be a way if you have the same target audience to structure your message through to each. But this is the most important thing. If you didn't understand each of those industries, you didn't understand what content the ice cream conference wanted and it still tracks. I'm loving it. Are you still getting it? Is it still, are you still, <laughs> still tracking? Track? Um, I've been wondering how far I can extend. <laughs> if you didn't understand both of those things, and if you hadn't done your research, you couldn't come up with that kind of thinking. So the most important thing is to really do your research and then understand where you where you can make the connection hit. But moving this forward a little bit. Probably the reason that I would have been able to come up with that idea for the lollipop guy is because I'd been spending a bit of time with the organisers of the ice cream convention. Because this is the interesting thing. What we think is interesting, what we as serving our clients might think is interesting, what our clients think is interesting may very well not be what those conference organisers think is interesting. So what we do is we do try to spend time getting to know the people at these events, not just getting their media pack, not just getting their rates, not just looking at the previous conference, 
but actually speaking to the organisers, finding out what worked last year, what they're looking to do this year, sitting down with them, spending time with them. That is invaluable. So if you're working in a specific industry, whether it be lawnmowers or dustbins, and believe you me, there will be conferences about those things. And if you're working in those industries, get to know the conference organisers, speak to them, take them out for coffee, get a meeting with them, find out. It can be done. And you'd be very surprised about how few people do that. And now they hate me because I've just told people to do it. (laughs) You've given away the secret. Nothing, nothing replaces the one-to-one contact that you get with any individual. Now, I've always said this about journalists. They're very busy. You know, they're, they're working 24-7 some of the time. They're working with a 24-7 news agenda for sure. So, you know, you're not going to be able to get every journalist sitting down with you for an hour and explaining their job to you. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you've got a lovely progressive agency like Demoso behind you, then you may well get, one you know, one or two amazing journalists like, thank you, Dean Takahashi from VentureBeat. And thank you, James Batchelor from GI.biz as an example of two journalists who've come and spent time with my entire company telling them how they work, how we can save them time, how we can work best with them. So that kind of thing is really, really good to do. But you can still apply the same principle to getting to know the conference organisers. Absolutely right. And um, you two that Jackie's just mentioned as well, consider that an open invitation to come on the podcast as well. Um, you oh, God, know, I would love yeah. that. If you're if you're free, and I, I don't know you listen because look, we've got a thousand listeners. So I'm sure you're one of them. Um, but uh, just gonna keep throwing it in. You know, that's the new quantum. Um, but he's listening. <laughs> they're all listening. Bill Spencer. You do know that he he is good friends with Kelly Vero. And Kelly's a big fan, as we know. You'll have listened to the most recent episode. Kelly's a big fan. We love Kelly. Um, was Kelly there? Kelly, I think, was there, wasn't she, at PGC this week? Kelly was there. Kelly was hosting the Metaverse track, which was literally the room was crammed sure. full. And you could just see her pink hair just above the crowds. Kelly, I know you're listening, but when Jackie first described you to me the, the word that was used quite often was rock star and i thought oh rock stars like you know my dad used to call me rock star when i was like a kid like oh you know how are you doing rock star and it was like kind of a term of endearment you are i now know you are quite literally a rock star in that space like as in like as many people as would turn up to see rock stars turn up to see you speak and talk about these amazing things so thank you kelly for being on the podcast but just going back to actually what you were saying is it not really then you obviously talk about sort of spending lots of time with the event organizers and we've also kind of alluded to the fact that it's important to kind of know your clients as well. And I'm going to go back to what I think is a brilliant analogy, lollipop you know, manufacturer and, you know, ice cream manufacturer. You know, if you were just kind of on a surface level representing a lollipop manufacturer and this event about ice creams came up, you kind of think to yourself, and this is in very basic terms, they make lollipops, no chance. And no matter how many times your lollipop client beat the door down, you just say, no, but you just sell, you make and sell lollipops, so there's no chance. But what you've just demonstrated there is how important it is to have a real relationship with your clients and know the ins and outs of everything they do, everything they're doing, the sorts of strategies they are using, the problems they're encountering, and the solutions they're coming up with to solve those problems. Because anything within that remit of information can be something that could be of use to an event and again like you just said you know the organizers so all of a sudden it's kind of two you know everyone's coming up with four on two plus two but it's only because you've done the mp it's only because you've spent time with your clients i guess what i'm trying to say is it's it's less a question and more a statement it comes back to your favorite word that preparedness word 
you know if you're not going into these it does. things it does. knowing and about your client preparedness you know. is so important and I'm really mm-hmm. pleased you came up with that Lara, because we've talked about the content messaging the content and getting the content aligned with what a conference organizer wants we've talked about pitching your client to be in and speaking at a conference and then what's the next stage well the next stage is preparing your client for that conference not just expecting them to rock up and do their bit and fly out again because there is nothing more unpredictable than a live conference and the kind of questions you can get asked so you can't prepare your client for every single question but you can get the client thinking in the attendees shoes and thinking about what they might want to ask about or what what they might want to know about and in many ways this is an element of media training something that kelly is very passionate about which just reminded me when we started talking about she was saying to me the other day you know before we even do our messaging and positioning sessions which she has been part of she said we should do the media training to get people thinking in the media mind or get them thinking in the mind of delivering a message. Now, I don't know whether I don't know whether I agree with her or not. I have I've, I've yet to make my mind up about it because my logical thing is the media training comes after the messaging. But her perspective is very much well. You've got to be in the media mind to understand what messages you want to get across. So she's a big fan of doing that first, isn't she? She's a really yeah, big fan of going yeah. there first. I remember she said, a "Bit chicken and egg." I, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. I haven't worked it out. But anyway, at the end of the day, you've got to do both. whether they're before or after or they're together or whatever. So, you know, the most important thing is that before that client even comes to the conference, you discuss what they're going to say, what sort of questions they're going to be getting. And you've also got to know what their personal objectives are for being at that conference. So one of our clients in their slot, they had an allocated 40 minute slot. They're really deciding between doing a sit down discussion with one of their clients and talking about how that client utilizes their solution which was audio advertising odeo that is the um or odeo depending on how you pronounce the name they do audio adverts in games which is incredible because it it helps you carry on playing your game while you're listening to the ad rather than having to stop a game watch an ad and then start again oh that's very cool beautiful oh that's so cool and they had they had Globals, you know, Globals Radio. They had Ryan from Dax, which that's a kind of the sales house of Globals. And he works with McDonald's and Just Eat and all these big brands and helps them bring audio ads into games, which is amazing. So they had okay. him come along to explain that process. And they were saying, you know, Ryan's really interesting. Do you think we should sit down and have a discussion or do you think we should stand up and do a presentation? And because I knew the environment, because I've worked there before, I've done presentations there myself, or I've hosted, sat down fireside chats as well. I knew exactly the kind of format that would work for this particular presentation. And I said, there are pros and cons to both, definitely. But if you want to make something meaningful and impactful, definitely it's a stand-up presentation. And Ryan got up and he showed this amazing video of all the brands he's working with and it was just fantastic but that was all part of a very considered we have this to show we have this to say this is why we want to say it what's the best way of doing that is it standing up and doing presentation or is it sitting down and talking through things and answering audience questions what's the best way so it's all of that preparation using the p word that you do before you even 
get your client in the room and on the stage. There's a lot of thought that should go into these things to, to hit the mark. I can imagine. And I think you've put that really, really well. All that preparation, all the laying the groundwork is kind of the commonly used phrase. And it's quite literally laying the groundwork, building the foundations. Mm. So that by the time your client goes to these events, you would hope, and I know you said earlier, you know, conferences can be very unpredictable. They're fairly seamless exercises the execution yeah of you'll still get some off the wall, uh, you know questions yeah. and um you know a few of my clients did but dealt with them really really well and the nice thing is when you get that sort of the questioning you're never going to get that you don't get that kind of feedback from a an article or a podcast you only get that when you're live with with an audience and so as you must know let's let's take this back to you Lyle you know what's the difference between doing some filmed piece or whether doing a theater piece well, this is it. I mean, we've just finished, my wife and I have just finished filming on a short film. My wife was more involved in it than I was, and she did brilliantly. And congratulations to my wife as well, because she's just well done, got a job uh, elsewhere as well later on this year Thank in you. Wales. A Welsh-speaking play, uh, entirely in Welsh language. It's amazing. Um, so well done her. Uh, won't reveal any details about who it's with or anything like that, because I don't know if it's under embargo or anything like that, but she's smashed it so well done her. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to film, obviously you don't, you get that feedback from the director and the team from my limited experience of it. But yeah, obviously there's kind of, I'm, you know me, I'm a big kind of theatre sort of stage enthusiast. And there's often a saying that goes around a rehearsal room, which is that this needs an audience now. You know, and every single time, most of the time, hopefully, when you're kind of really pleased with where something's heading towards, you get to about sort of 75% of the way through a rehearsal process, 80%. And the director and the cast will agree, will go, I feel like it just, you know, it could go on tomorrow. We've got another few days. I mean, yeah. you're lucky if you've got you're lucky if you're 80 percent of the way there and you've got another few say, days. That's a bit of a luxury. Um, yeah that would be a bit of a luxury it's like no. you're right up to the, <laughs> the limit this is it but it's one of those where if you're lucky and you're most of the way there you kind of the final 20 percent is actually the audience itself in many ways so you can do as much planning as you want you can do as much rehearsing but actually you won't know how they're going to receive yeah. it and also things start to i imagine this is the same with clients you know from a pr perspective going to events you know, clients will prepare their speeches, they'll prepare the forums they're hosting, they'll prepare the presentations they're delivering. And if it's anything like something, some of the things I've done from a theatrical perspective, you go, okay, this is great. And I feel comfortable in what I'm doing and confident in what I'm doing. But I've now rehearsed it and recited it so many times that I wonder whether or not it's actually any good. Because I just don't know, because, you know, I've started to become immune to the points I'm trying to make. And actually, it's only when you get in front of an audience and you're two minutes in and you get that laugh or you get that gasp or you get that sort of nod in agreement. You go, oh, actually, yeah, this is really great. I just kind of lost sight of the fact that it was good because I've done it so many times. And so, yeah, I think there is very much there. There are definite parallels to be drawn. But again, you know, I this week, my mad week has been because my wonderful colleague, Andy, shout out to Andy. He's preparing to take a show over to Q8 with the company that we've worked for before. And they're taking a production of Twelfth Night over to Q8. Um, but as a result, he's been preparing for that and trying to get that up and ready to go. And I've been a bit of a one-man band with the theatre company. I also run alongside um, sort of work with Demozo and doing the podcast. And we've been trying to get ourselves some projects for the spring, which we're really excited about, doing some shows for schools, doing some shows for young audiences at some amazing venues. But my big challenge, similar to a kind of a pitching PR professional for their client at an event, my big challenge has been going, what is it that we offer that appeals to you, the venue, and kind of very much doing a very similar sort of thing. 
And it starts to get to the point where, you know, you obviously trust the substance and you trust the subject matter and the materials you're you're offering them, but you need someone to turn around and go, actually, yeah, great. Yeah, no, we do want that for you to go. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> I mean, in my head, I just thought you might not because I've been pitching this and selling this for however long. So I think, yeah, it does come down to preparedness. It comes down to also you just needing, yeah, someone to kind of take a bit of a chance. But that brings me on to a yeah. really interesting point that I was going to ask you, actually, a question that I was going to ask you, which is you've made the pitch, right? So you've sent the deck across, you've sent the application across, whatever it may be, all the administration around getting a client to the event has gone through and has been rubber stamped and it's happening. Fantastic. They know exactly what they're doing, what they're delivering. How often do you go? If you're not doing anything yourself as a thought leader in the space, I suppose there'll be people out on the outside of the PR circle who think, well, actually, then it's a PR professional's job to also go with the client to the event. Is that part of the and then if that is the case, are you also doing, I mean, this sounds like a bit of a loaded question because I feel like I know I'm absolutely certain. In fact, from my perspective, the answer is yes. But are you then kind of having regular conversations with your client before, after the presentation? What went well? What are the key takeaways? What do we need to prep for? That's all part of it, right? Absolutely. Now, this is interesting. I heard, and it is a good question, Lyle, because for me, it's obvious yeah. It's obvious you should be there when your client is presenting to his or her target audience or their target audience. That should be a no-brainer. But do you know what? For some agencies, they don't because they charge their clients by the hour of their service. And so they don't send all their people to listen to the client presenting. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you won't get a ticket and that won't be your fault. But you sure. should try 100% of the time you should try. And anybody on that account or anybody in the business, if you're an agency, should be there. And I'll tell you for why. You not only learn more about the business of your client, you learn more about seeing audience reaction, hearing questions, but you also learn more about the client themselves. Yeah. You see how they present. You see what they what they like to talk about. You see where they're natural. There's nothing to replace that sort of live experience of seeing your client talk about what they do. And some people don't send their people to do that because it's seen as an add-on. It's seen yeah. as a chargeable item or it's seen as uh, not a bit the best use of their time, which I absolutely rail against it's great use of an account person's time absolutely Um, and what's more it's really important for the client to feel comfortable if they feel that somebody's there to follow up on questions that might be an answer a certain person in the audience that needs following up with because what you forget is let's say after that presentation and that speech it's not just done like that it's not like mic drop gone People come up to a client. They want to know more. They're interested. Obviously, if you've done your job really well, which is match the content with the audience. So there will be follow-up that needs to be done. The client might need your help in terms of, of doing that. So you have to be very proactively helping and being part of that client's team at that gig. So I tried to get to every single client's presentation at this last Pocket Gamer, which was really difficult because we had a lot of clients there. You were on um, roller skates, zipping around. And I was also <laughs> doing, presenting myself, which some, <laughs> we had some clashes. And I have to do a bit of a, a shout out to Patty Toledo, who was one of the event organizers. I was going to bring Patty up, Patty actually. Yeah. 
incredible because I not only did she have I don't know 600 speakers I think it was to organize she also had me going Patty would you mind trying to slot me in between my clients and she was amazing she was incredible it was so kind of her because I was thinking ahead about wanting to be near my clients and I knew I wouldn't if I wasn't going to be able to somebody else would be there but yeah I have heard of agencies who will not accompany clients because first of all I think that's crazy because some of the amazing places you get to go to and some of the amazing events you get to go to you just go right I mean I know my dad's when he worked in the PR industry and he still I suppose the word is dabbles he'll hate me and it's the first mention of my dad for a little while so hey dad how you doing um but my dad you know loves I mean he used to anyway he does yeah hi dad he doesn't actually like traveling as much anymore but for a while that was kind of like part of like the real thrill of it was like okay yeah I'm going with my client but the bottom line is is that yes there was kind of the materialistic element of him wanting to travel but he was very much in your sort of ballpark as well he's very much in the same boat as you he said it comes down to support it comes down to how comfortable they feel yes it's great that you then get to go and it's really exciting and they're great events and yes it has a material benefit to you as an agency or as a PR professional because you get to know your client a lot better but also when it comes to the relationship and how that's developing they oh, feel yeah. supported you know, that, that's it they feel supported they feel really comfortable they feel like okay you know it, repeat business and wanting to continue this partnership and develop this relationship professionally that going to an event and supporting them there in person in the moment when I mean, we've spoken before pocket gamer connects this year was actually kind of the theme kind of centered predominantly around the idea of ai and kind of the rise of ai this year and we've spoken about how exciting ai is going to be and by no means are we part of that kind of fear-mongering environment where it's like oh it's going to take over we actually you and i both agree that it's a very very exciting sort of phase in the development of ai on planet earth but Mm. you've also said and i've agreed with you in the past that nothing beats holding a book in your hand nothing beats person-to-person contact you know ai is there to support how the world is going to develop and accelerate nothing beats person-to-person contact and being there to support one another and that's actually a really patty's a really nice place to finish this episode on as well because we had some lovely feedback publicly from patty didn't we we actually recently received some really lovely feedback about exactly this thing we did and she gave us a shout out because we appreciate her and I think that is a nice way to kind of end this episode because being appreciative of the people that do you favours and help you and showing that appreciation is so important in any industry and I'm going to just another little shout out it's totally unrelated, but it it what it is because it's a segue, and you love a segue. I do love a segue. I've been dealing just recently with a talent agent called Millie Bell at Intertalent. We're talking about working with some of her superstars to help um, be ambassadors for some of our clients. And I literally had to phone her up the other day just to tell her what a pleasure she was to work with. She was so professional, so helpful, so knowledgeable. And, you know, I do think it's really important for it's very easy for us all to complain. And it's really easy. It's equally as easy for us to phone up and say thank you. And um, if we have a few more people like Millie doing great jobs and we've had a few more people like patty who set the example in saying thank you then you know we have a better world absolutely right and it kind of also really beautifully links in with this idea of pr events when you go to these events have a chat we've spoken about this before in the podcast have a chat be open 
talk about what other people's interests are, talk about the speeches they've delivered, talk about the presentations they've delivered. But I think it's a really, really lovely uh, point to end the episode on. And um, fantastic to mention um, lovely Millie at Intertalent. I've asked um, on the podcast, so I'm hoping she'll say yes. Millie, it would be lovely to have you on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, Millie, also, uh, I am, alongside all the other things I'm currently doing with the Mozo and with the theatre company I run, I'm currently uh, seeking representation. So I'll link my spotlight uh, <laughs> on the uh, on the episode <laughs> description. <laughs> I've heard of Intertalent, they're actually very, very good. So if I did get the chance to speak to Millie, you know, I'd just then immediately ruin it. I'd have emailed her going, oh, it'd be great to be represented by Intertalent. And then she'd meet me and go, I think I'm good. You stick to podcast. But yeah, it would be great to have you, Millie, on the podcast. Dean as well, all the other people we've mentioned. We're really, like I've said, thousand listens, thousand streams. We're really gunning towards having some really, really great people uh, on the podcast, as we already have already. So um, keep an eye out, listeners, for some very exciting guests coming up in the uh, weeks and months to come. A few C's and C's, as ever, listeners, to bring this wonderful episode to a close. If you would like to see what The Rest Is PR has been getting up to, you can head over to therestispr.com. And like I mentioned in last week's episode, we also have a Twitter page. We're moving forward. We're moving on up. And that is at the rest is PR. I had a little look over it the other day. And just to be specific, it is capitals at the beginnings of words and PR all in capitals. So capital T, capital R, capital I, and then capital PR uh, at the rest is PR on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's info at the rest is PR.com. Or you can get in touch with us via LinkedIn, Jackie or I via our LinkedIn pages or info at demozo.com. And speaking of demozo, if you want to hear what our fabulous team have been getting up to over at PGC this week in London and beyond as well. I mean, like I say, we mentioned last week with Kelly that DAF had been in Davos as well. The Demozo team continue to absolutely smash out the park. Very, very proud of the brilliant team we've got here at Demozo. Then head over to demozo.com. Jackie, we've got a few guests lined up, one of whom we won't tempt fate, but I think I mentioned it already in this episode. The lovely Tom from Ludo could well be on next week. Listeners, it's happening. It's happening. You thought it would never happen. But guess what? I follow through on those promises. Tom is going to be on the podcast. I'm so excited because I haven't spoken to him in ages uh, other than via sort of email and text contacts. We might have Tom. But with that in mind, Jackie, same time next week. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. I cannot wait. Thank you so much once again, listeners, for all of your support. Joking aside so far. Yes, really thank nice. you. 1,000. 1,000 and counting. We are absolutely buzzing. And we will see you next week for another exciting instalment of The Rest is PR. From Jackie and myself, it's bye for now. Bye.